So before we start the show today, we had some extremely sad news from the triathlon community from San Francisco. Many of the listeners will know Kevin Young. Um, he used to work for Apple. Uh, he was out on a ride. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't know what day. I think Friday morning. So it would have been a week ago when the podcast is released at 7 a.m. And as far as I can tell from the uh, police report, he was hit by a semi-trailer. And um, he was dead when the emergency crews arrived on the scene. He was 51 years old. And Kevin, the reason I want to mention this especially is because Kevin was an integral part of our push for 50 Women to Kona. Again, a lot of our listeners will remember that we tried to get equal slots for the female pros. And Kevin came to us, to our team at that time, and offered a ton of resources and for really for nothing in return because it was not something that affected him personally, obviously, <laughs> as a 40-something male in the sport. He was just interested in seeing equality for the female pros. And uh, he was so selfless in that. I, I didn't know him well. I just dealt with him on quite a few occasions over that issue. So I'm sure that there are many people in his life who will miss him greatly. And so, yeah, before we started the show, I just wanted to say that about Kevin. So this week on the show, we have all the inside details of Kelly's swim run adventure. We have a voicemail from our favorite mom, of course. Disqualifications at the Tokyo Test event this week. Watching the CrossFit Games. Who is the highest paid female athlete? That's a lot of good topics. But first, we had a very special voicemail from a listener. Kelly, I finally got my shipment of noon up here in Canada, and I am so excited. The last couple days, I've been going to CrossFit with Noon Hydration Sport watermelon flavor, and I have been loving it so far. But I want to know from you, what product should I try next? Okay, so you're trying the tablet. So the Sport tablet is the one you drop in your water bottle. They also have an immunity tablet for, you know, when you're feeling sick, that you can drop in your water bottle. And I've been trying the, or been using the Noon Rest which is for recovery and relaxation. It's like chamomile flavored. It has magnesium and potassium in it. I, you like drink it before you go to bed. Helps you recover well. You sleep great. It's fantastic. Okay, awesome. I'm totally going to try that tonight. Okay, if anyone at home wants to try, go to noonlife.com and use the code IRONWOMEN and you get 30% off. So Iron Women is our sister podcast. Noonlife, N-U-U-N, life.com. Give it a try. Live Feisties If We Were Riding is brought to you by Ass Kicker Inc. Ass Kicker makes activewear for women featuring empowering phrases like work hard, play hard, kick ass, or strong women lift each other up. Ass Kicker Inc. also makes our fabulous Live Feisty tank tops, t-shirts, hoodies, and leggings. So to order yours, go to livefeisty.com and just choose shop from the menu. And of course, use the code RIDING to save 20%. That's riding, as in if we were, at livefeisty.com. And remember, I before E, except if you're feisty. I'm Kelly O'Mara. And I'm Sarah Gross. And you're listening to Live Feisty's If We Were Riding. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race to the top. 
Hey Sarah, this is Jordan Blanco. I'm just back from Canada and I wanted to reach out and let you know how lovely all the Canadians were. I couldn't um, stop noticing how just engaged and interested and how positive and uh, helpful everyone we met in Canada was while we were at the Calgary 70.3. I think one of the best examples is as we were leaving, the Air Canada attendant who was uh, checking our luggage apologized for having to charge his bike fees and wished um, uh, they would remove them, uh, even though it was only 50 Canadian dollars compared to the 150 US dollars we paid on the way out. So go Canada. Okay, Sarah, do you feel like that's a fair characterization? The Canadians are just so nice. I think compared to some places you can go to <laughs> in America. <laughs> yes. Um, sometimes we're overly nice. Like it's a social cultural thing, right? So I think that sometimes people are too nice you know when someone's like really really nice and they're like yeah you should come stay with me sometime you should do that it's like you don't really mean that you know um or we say sorry too often i thought jordan's uh example was really cute like that the woman had apologized to her at the airline for the bike handling fee of 50 dollars. but i do think in general we're nice don't you well i don't know i think it's weird when you say like an entire group of people is anything because that's not a thing, right? Like other than like ge massive generalizations that are deeply culturalized and socialized, like no large group of people is any one thing. Whenever anyone's like, oh, well, Southerners are X. Like, are they? I don't know. I know plenty who aren't. Side point, Canadians are great, Sarah. Just yeah, exactly. I was just going to say <laughs> part of the reason actually, because Jordan had texted me to say, oh my gosh, Canadians are so nice. I, I actually spent quite a bit of time in Calgary a few years ago. Uh, and when she texted me, I was like, send us a voicemail. And part of it was because I just like kind of wanted to like rub it in your face. Okay, good, good. <laughs> Canadians are so nice because we, because we often have this little rivalry going on. So I totally agree with you that a group of people is not ever all one thing. Except the Canadians are nice. Canadians are nice. Well, I was in Maine this weekend, Sarah, and they were all Ooh, very nice excited. too. <laughs> they were nice over there in Maine. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. Um, so Kelly, seriously, I missed you this weekend of swim run. I saw it going down on social media. How did it go for, okay, for okay. you and Leslie? So just for everyone listening, Sarah and I haven't even really recapped. We were going to do it live here. So I'm going to tell her exactly how it was right now. So Leslie and I went a lot like, for everyone's reference, Sarah and I did it last year. We went hard, like to be clear, like let's not undersell ourselves, but we were definitely participating. We came in second, which was awesome, but we lost by 40 minutes, I think, right? We lost by 40 minutes. Yeah. Yes. And I think, okay, I think you look, whenever you describe this, you're being very kind to me because the reason we were that slow is because I wasn't fit enough. Like to be clear. Not to, put, to and, find a point on it, but... <laughs> And also there were a few moments where I got caught in the technical bits. So it was like, it was really me there that may, was the anchor. There may have been a whole section team. where I was like standing, waiting for you to scramble over rocks, making jokes, but that's fine. <laughs> but nonetheless, we pulled out a second place. Right. So I was quite proud of us at the time. So this year we definitely went in planning to like race, race it. Like we both like trained, like practiced, we're ready. And we still ended up second. So you're on one hand, you're like, wait, that's weird. But I mean, we went significantly harder. It was a lot harder of a race and it was longer. We literally were 25 minutes slower than you and I last year going harder. Wow. Um, so it was actually just under six hours. We were only 
six minutes out of first place. Uh, so it's a lot closer. Oh, that's good. It, Congratulations. It, I know. It, but here's what's <laughs> interesting minutes. is, so it wasn't the same girls who won. And honestly, I think if the girls who, who killed, like slaughtered us last year were there, they still would have won because they were really, really, really good. Uh, what was different was that there was a lot of depth now. Like you and I, in our effort, would have been seventh or eighth this year. Sixth, may, like there was a lot more legitimate teams kind of right. out there in that middle pack. So that actually made it a race, right? You actually were like passing people and, and seeing people, uh, which was yeah. interesting. Yeah. That's fun. And did you and Leslie get lost? Yes, we did. So that is my takeaway from Swim Run. So we were all, oh, we're going to go way harder. We'll go way faster. But you know, when you go just a little bit harder, it, or a little bit faster feels a lot harder is what I'm trying to say. Like we yeah. can go that much faster but it was so much harder. <laughs> yeah. That's what I said to you two earlier in the week. Like it's that it's a fine line, right? Cause you can go, you can dial it back just like a tiny bit on the, on the effort or what feels like a lot on the effort, but you're not going like that much slower or vice versa. Like you can try really, really hard, go at like be on the rivet the whole time, but only be like slightly faster than you would be if you were just casually jogging. <laughs> well, not casually not jogging, right, but, but if you were comfortable, if you're comfortable. The other thing that I think is interesting about swim run is, so we were fucking on the edge the first couple of segments and I was sitting, I threw up in the water Sarah, at one point, like while we were swimming. And I literally was thinking, I can't do this. Like I can't sustain this. Holy shit. And then we got lost and we made a few wrong turns and it turned out basically, and we did that two times. We got like lost is the wrong word, but we kept going down a trail. And then we were like, we haven't seen a sign in a few minutes and we had to turn around, come all the way back. Um, But it basically turned out we were going too hard that we weren't paying attention, which maybe is like that swim run factor where you have to be able to constantly be heads up, constantly be paying attention and going like as hard as you can. Right. That's what I love about it. Although that's quite different from you and I who like, we weren't going too hard to, to not, we were just not paying attention and also not paying attention. Right. Right. So that's the other factor is this year, the Casco Bay race was, I mean, I just said it was significantly deeper. I don't want to say more competitive because the top people were still really good, but it was a lot more after that. Um, and it was bigger, it was longer, but it was also like more well-marked. It was actually hard to get oh, lost if you were paying attention. That's interesting. Yeah, it was be- well right. more well-marked, more like they had actual aid stations, 11 of them. That's crazy. Oh, not just peanut butter sandwiches and water bottles? Right. There was only one girl oh. randomly handing out lemonade from her house. <laughs> like, oh, that was like most of our aid stations last year. <laughs> so it was a lot more <laughs> official this year, which also, I mean, I, it didn't make it easier because it was six hours, so it wasn't easy. Yeah. But... It is interesting because on the one hand, if you just keep adding people, like you can't constantly have it be, you know, random person points out where you're going from their deck, right? Like that's not going True. to be sustainable. That's not sustainable. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. The thing that Leslie and I did very, like the where we made up our time, Sarah, was we actually ran a lot. Like I think you and I did not run very hard. We, no, we did not. Right. I think our <laughs> swimming was actually fairly comparable but Leslie and I were running much harder. And that was where we were like catching people uh, where we were making mistakes too. where like I thought I was going to pass out. And here's the thing that I think is interesting back to the swim run factor. I was really, really struggling with running with all that gear. Like I thought I was going to pass out. 
Right. And I think were you were you hot was, or was it like the stuff jingling around? Hot, or? And it just right. felt so hard. And my heart, I mean, later I looked at my heart rate, not like while we were going, because I was just like, did I imagine that? And my heart rate was very high. Like I wasn't imagining how hard I felt it was. And I think that's the thing between like the difference between being like a good pool swimmer or a good track runner. For me, the swimming with all the equipment, I don't like slow down comparatively that much. Like that's fine to me. But the running was just so not what I'm good at that I, I was really struggling. Right. So that's what I'm going to have to practice. Yeah. Practice more with the equipment. It is, it is hard with that equipment and with the, and running in a wetsuit is just, Oh my God. I was, it was kind of funny because we had this long period in the middle where Leslie, uh, maybe was hypothermic was definitely like a little blurry, like put it where we had to really dial it back. Cause she was really struggling with, uh, with the cold. And then at the end we had this period where I went dark because I was really struggling with the heat. And was like overheating and dehydrated. <laughs> so, like we got to this, like we've been running really hard, trying to catch back up after getting lost. And we were on the very last long run. And we, and I'd been telling myself, okay, we're going to get in the water and it'll be cold. And we got to it and it was knee deep. So everyone's like running and she takes off like running through the water. And I was like, I can't, I can't, I gotta, I'll swim. <laughs> I'll just swim. So I start swimming right. next to people who are walking. Like I have to cool down. Right. I just want to float. Just pull me along. Okay. Another it question. Did you get poison oak this year? No, because it was a lot bigger. We didn't go on as much things right. this year. A lot okay. more fire roads, which is probably because of the size. I mean, we went on some single track for sure. We went on the crazy rocks again, a lot of rock scrambling. There was some beach running, but beaches don't <laughs> have poison oak. So but yeah, I think what I took away was it's getting really competitive in the U.S. Um, you definitely, there's like this swim run element, which I always joke that triathlon has the triathlon element. Like you've got to race in triathlon. You have to race like a little heads up. You have to move quickly through transitions. You ha- like, you have to be good at running. You can't just be a good runner. You got to be good at running off yeah. the bike, right? There's all those little things in triathlon. And swim runs that times 10, I feel like. Well, you have to be good at all the technical elements of swim run. Mm-hmm. right you have to be good at all that stuff there are people who are pretty good athletes but who are crazy good swim runners so you got to practice all that stuff the transitions i still feel like we did we were getting better like for sure we were still passing people while they like stood there and like tried to figure out which way to swim but the best people they aren't even hesitating they're just going hey you, so. tell me this though one last question i was still I'm going to give you the answer in the question. I was still your favorite swim run partner oh, okay, though, good. right? Oh, see, I think uh, Leslie and I might do another. So I'm going to say no. Damn it. <laughs> the big question, the big question now, Sarah, is so Attilo, or how do you say Otilo. it? Attilo. <laughs> I don't know. Which is like the Iron mm-hmm. Man of swim run, right? Is coming to the U.S. in the spring. They're going to have their race in California. If we had won, we would have gotten an automatic oh. spot, didn't win. And so now we're trying to decide if we should do it or not. And I think just having taught, like, I know so many people that are going to do it. I get the sense it's going to be insanely competitive, but I also feel like I got to do the California yeah. race. Your, your home race, for sure. Yeah. But I'm going to have to practice running hills in yes. a wetsuit. And then you can practice. Can you so. practice on the course? No, it's like down in Southern California on an wow. island with bison. Interesting. 
Okay. Yeah. So anyway, we, based on our swim run conversation from last week, we had a voicemail from your mom. Well, good morning. I was listening to the podcast while I set up my classroom for the start of the school year, and I have now decided the major quote that is going to be above my board is, don't get lost. It's more important to know where you're going than to go fast. I'm going to credit it to nationally ranked swim run team Sarah Gross and Kelly O'Mara. Clearly, I should have taken my mom's advice Just don't get lost. Just don't get lost. I love that we're being credited for that amazing yeah. advice. It's amazing advice. It is. So the other thing that happened is we, I talked a bunch about swim run in the newsletter, but I also told everyone to go and watch right. the Tokyo. And did you event. do that? Did so, you follow your own instructions? Okay. Of course I, of course I followed my instructions, but if you didn't guys, this is why you should read the newsletter. You missed out. I also missed out because I had too much work to so do. The Tokyo te- FYI. So I'm counting on you to update well, me on what happened in Tokyo. Well, okay. So Tokyo test event was basically the ITU race a year out from when the race will be in the Olympics under like the same course, same time, same condition so that they can test it. Right. So the reason this is a big deal is a lot of countries were using it for their Olympic qualification. So obviously that's like kind of a big deal, right? A lot of people wanted to do good. It was crazy. First it was crazy because it was so hot. They cut. Okay. Like right now we're recording on a Wednesday night. So I just watched the women's race. The men's race hasn't gone yet. So I don't, I'm not going to speak to that, but I also don't really care about the men. I care way more about the women. So, so the women's race, they had to cut the 10 K down to a five K. Oh, cause it wow. was too hot. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, which big. is weird. Yeah, okay. It was too hot at 730 AM wow. to be clear. Exactly. Secondly, because they cut it down to a five K some federations like were, weren't going to follow oh, their own qualification yeah. criteria anymore. But no right. one is clear about this. It was kind of like, oh, we don't know. They might decide not to act like we'll find out. Which if you were an athlete, like how would yeah. you be like? Of course, off? because of, and of course, if, if that's your qualifying race, like you may have come into that race completely rested and tapered. Like you've, you could have centered your whole year around yeah. this freaking thing. And then they're in, then it's not the qualifier anyway. I mean, that's, um, yeah, I can see how that would get kind of chaotic for a lot of athletes. A little chaotic. It was a little crazy. Third crazy thing. Oh, we're building up in craziness there. Are you ready? Third crazy thing. So Katie's the Ferris crashed like a third of the way into the bike. She's the, coming in as the number one yeah. was the favorite. She kind of just needed to not crash. <laughs> to Damn it. And she, I mean, it was a bad crash. Oh, she no. did not get up and get back on her bike. Oh. Yeah, it was bad. It was ugly. Everyone in the room went, right. oh, like it was bad. Ouch. It was not. That also changed the dynamic yeah, for the sucks. Americans. Because the Americans had this thing where if someone was on the podium, then two people could qualify. But if no one was on the podium, then only one person would qualify. So it actually like kind of right. changed the American dynamic. Side point. We're third, in the fourth because I was expecting the third to be thing? what I think is now going to be the fourth crazy thing. Right. The <laughs> fourth crazy thing was the British dominated two Br- the, these two British girls, Jessica Learmonth and Georgia Taylor Brown were leading like they were running they pulled away from Flora Duffy by like five seconds they are Mm -hmm. training partners they came into the last like half k 500 and we were all like oh they're gonna start sprinting and they didn't Sarah they got on the blue carpet they ran shoulder to shoulder held hands crossed the line together everyone I was watching it with was like what the fuck that is bullshit that's not how you race apparently there is an ITU rule that says you cannot intentionally try to tie 
They were disqualified wow. maybe 20 minutes after the fact, like cut from the records. Everyone was moved up two spaces for Duffy one. Wow. Okay. I don't. Okay. Wow. First of all, I, I get your point. If like, if I was watching that live, I would have been like, come on people, at least race the race. Like that is freaking ridiculous. Like it's an right. important race. The world is watching. You have to race it. Right. Like I, I totally agree with that, but they should not be disqualified. Like remember when the Brownlee brothers, like remember when Alistair, like basically like rescued Jonathan, who was almost collapsing at the finish line, kind of carried him along the, f- the last few meters and kind of pushed him over the finish line. Cause he could have, if, if he was just like racing the race, Alistair would have just run past his brother and won. Right. So like, to sure. me, that's like, to me, that's kind of similar. I remember at the time, everybody was like, <laughs> everybody was celebrating them. Like, look at this, the brothers, da, da, da. and I was like, yeah, yeah. I don't know about that. I, I feel like you should race your race. Like if somebody collapses, you got to keep racing. But here's the thing. Okay. It, Iron Man has an honest effort rule um, that you're not allowed to like go out. Like you're allowed to help people, but you're not allowed to, yeah, like sacrifice your race, which I, it's always a weird muddy line. ITU does not have that rule. Because think about it, there are domestiques all the right. fucking time in ITU who sacrifice okay. their race for other people. You are a hundred percent allowed to sacrifice your race for someone else. That okay. is like a and for people who don't know what that is, ITU it's like racing. when pe- two people from the same country, like someone's a slightly better swim biker, and the runner gets on, like basically drafts off the swim biker, or it's like, and the biker kind of controls the pack. There's a lot of dynamics. There's a lot of dynamics. It's a bit like cycling, and then you kind of lead in your person who can run really well and or sprint at the finish to try to get them to win the race. So it is, is cycling's a, a good example. Actually, it's the same. Cycling is a good example because mm-hmm. it's draft legal. Obviously, that's the difference between ITU and Ironman. But it's all like it is fundamentally built into ITU that you can totally work for somebody else. Think about it too. ITU has all of these squads where people train together from different countries who totally work together mm-hmm. all the fucking time. There's a ton of relationship dynamics yeah. built into ITU racing that you're going to like help your friend. You're going to. So I don't think the problem is that they didn't like. I don't think there's a rule about honest effort or racing the race. I think that what Brownlee's did is technically legal. Obviously, there was a lot of gray area and people were concerned. The rule apparently is literally about intentionally tying. That's just weird. Yeah, everyone. Like, how did they come up the with the, Did somebody previously like, like what was the previous thing that happened? Did somebody intentionally tie before <laughs> and then not? Like, Probably. and then I was like, Probably. I also wondered, and I don't know if you are going to have the answer to this, but like, what is their reason for intentionally tying? Like, did it affect the qualification for the British athletes somehow? So that's the other thing. The other reason I just think is kind of hilarious and terrible, and I don't feel that bad for them, is that the British actually didn't have a th- their qualification isn't changed by this. If it was somebody who needed a top eight finish in order to qualify for the Olympics and now doesn't have one, I would mm. feel super bad. But if they had needed a top eight finish and didn't have one, they would have fucking raced it, right? right? Like you know what I'm saying? There would have been difference. The British are weird. The British always are weird about their qualification. They just like pick whoever they want because they're so into their yeah. domestique system and like picking and choosing. And so often they, this has been a thing in other years. This has been a thing like almost every time they'll leave someone off the team. Who's like a better athlete than who they pick or a higher rank to be more accurate. Like they're all good athletes, a higher ranked athlete because they want someone who's a really good swim biker, or they want someone who's going to be like, good in the relay or who will help the person that they think has a better metal shot. So the British are weird about it and they're just going to pick and choose anyway. And if with those two, if, before those two got disqualified, the British had four girls in the top 10, one of them right. not making it anyway. 
So, so I don't know why they decided to tie. I think they were this just like, fun oh, game it'll be we'll great. Just hands across the finish line. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's like, right. <laughs> and then you're like, it is not funny. To me, game. that's like the outcome of like, <laughs> you know how, it. and I have to bitch about this. Like even it, I've talked about it before at Rosie's school, the way they do, like they don't compete anymore. They just run randomly around a field instead of like the fastest person from one line to another, like at school. It's like that whole kind of movement. I don't know if this is the same in the UK towards like just everybody participating together and no one kind of winning and losing. So we don't affect people's egos too much. And I feel like that's like this generation is, is growing up and here they are like holding hands at the finish line of like one of the most important triathlon races of the year. Well, to be fair, Sarah, I think Jessica Learmont is oh. like my age, but whatever. Oh, Maybe she's that out of the younger. window. It is. I do think it's this thing where like the first time somebody crossed hand, finish line holding hands, everybody's like, oh, wow. And at this point it's played out. We're all sick of it. Yeah. Just fucking race race people. Here's the other half, though, of, of this is the more? Tokyo wow. Test this, is, this was eventful. It took me, no, very eventful. No, it okay. took, this is about watching it. Okay, so if you were in the newsletter, I shared links to get a $2 subscription to Triathlon Live TV, because that was the only way to watch this, was on their Triathlon Live streaming service. It wasn't on any, you know, regular fucking TV. So I logged in, I created an account, I logged in. And then I wanted to like send it to my smart TV. Well, more accurately, my Leslie smart TV because I'm at her house. It took me half an hour, Sarah, to like get it to work right, to get logged in, to get the browser. And then it kept crashing. And then even when I was watching it, the internet kept freezing. I kept having to re-circle it. And then the... And you and you like work online. This is not you being an app. Like you work online in media. Like like you know how to work the buttons. I knew what was wrong. I had to reset the fucking (laughs) browser and all this shit and whatever. But I'm just saying this is why people don't watch stuff because it took an effort. I had to really want to watch it, and it took me a while. And this is why I did not watch the CrossFit Games this year because the CrossFit Games were only streaming this year, which we can talk about in a second, and they were not on regular TV. And I wasn't no, going to make that true. Like as much as I love my CrossFit, I did not watch it. I have watched CrossFit on TV before, like when it happens to be on, but okay. I just, yeah, I, I don't think I would seek it out. And I'm not going to be the only one who like would like to watch it if it was yeah. there, but you know, I'm not going to make the effort. I feel like we actually talked about the CrossFit games last year because they were amazing. Mm, we did. I loved them. They were on mm-hmm. the hands down. Yeah. I remember watching that. I know. And I was like convinced I was going to learn how to do the peg wall. Anyway, it was amazing last year. It was great. This year, it wasn't on TV TV because the CrossFit Games made an executive decision that they were going to move away from a business. Like they weren't going to sell the exclusive media rights to one company anymore because previously they sold exclusive media rights to ESPN. Nobody could take photos or video. I'm trying to say film and video. Photos and video in there. Mm -hmm. They were really weird about it. And it was like very strict. They decided that that was actually counterproductive to their mm-hmm. like to reaching people. So they were going to go to a streaming model this year, make the feed available like open source so that anyone mm-hmm. could use it and do whatever they want with it and allow people to take as much photo and video as they want. And in theory this was going to open it up to new audiences, going to make it more available outside the, you know, to non-English speaking, non-American audiences. It was mm. basically the premise. Because it's not just ESPN now, right? It's like right. everything. But 
you had to know that you had to go to barbell.net. Do you think real, real site? I think I wonder if like the theory worked in terms of like, just in terms of like people being there putting like shit clips on their like social media. Well, friends of mine went and they were posting on Instagram, but yeah, I'm really curious if this Mm. choice. Yeah. I could see it going on. I can see it working out, not from the point of view of, um, more people seeing the actual live stream. Cause I think less people will see the live stream than would watch it on TV. But, I, right. but just from the point of view of it being a, like a open source and then B like that people can use their own phones and take their own videos and post them. Maybe you would reach new audiences. I mean, I think the other half of it is that they're saying like, maybe we reach slightly fewer people, but we reach more of our core audience. Whereas the people who randomly click through on ESPN, the use and the me, Sarah, we are not going to, well, I was about to say, we're not going to give CrossFit all our money, but I think you do. <laughs> it's not that, it's not that expensive to do CrossFit. Sure, sure. Anyway, I do, I wonder about this a lot because everyone keeps talking about streaming being the future of sports watching. Everyone has their own fucking streaming service. You can have your triathlon subscription. You can have your like, what is the NBC gold to watch track? There's a Velo pass too to watch cycling. There's, and if you have to buy each one of those, and then figure out the whole logging in, make it work on your TV, because I don't like watching things on my laptop. I mean, how, like, is this really the future? You know what would be amazing? When you can just turn on the TV and it's like right there. True. I think, oh, I think the future is going to be like, I think those things will be one device. Like, I think your, your well, TV, yeah. TV. Like, so like the next, I want to say like smart TVs in that direction, but it's going to be better. It's going to be better. So like, you're, it's like, like smarter TV. Okay, so I'm not going to have to argue with it for 30 minutes next time. Exactly. Oh, and it's going to have, it's going to be like Siri enabled. So you're going to be like, hey, TV, play CrossFit games, and it will just play. Yeah, but really the only way it's going to do that is through like machine learning and knowing what I want and listening to me all the time and tracking me. And I don't want that. It might already be tracking you, Kelly. I'm sorry to tell you. (laughs) It is. Your phone is already listening to you. There's actually a lot of evidence that smart TVs, the reason they're so cheap compared to the technology is because you are actually the product, not the customer side point. But we'll not, we'll not go into one of Kelly's like crazy conspiracy future is scary. rants right now. Yeah, okay. On that note, <laughs> actually not on that note at all. <laughs> this is a completely unrelated transition. <laughs> um, we're going to roll the outro. And after that, we're going to talk about who are the highest paid female athlete we would like to thank noon hydration for supporting the podcast get 30 percent off your order by using the code ironwomen at noonlife.com that's ironwomen at noonlife.com and don't forget to order your feisty gear at livefeisty.com with the code riding to get a 20 percent discount Follow at If We Were Riding on all the social medias and leave us a review on iTunes. Also, tell your actual friends in person how awesome we are, because that works too. If We Were Riding is a Live Feisty Media production and is hosted by Kelly O'Mara and me, Sarah Gross. Our marvelous editor is Aaron Hamilton. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race to the top. All right, so Forbes magazine. Is, I don't know. What is I was Forbes? once. Do you Forbes, know that I was Sarah. once on one of their podcasts? I don't know. What, a one? Forbes podcast. 
I was on about 50 women to Kona. And, oh, sorry, this is coming full circle. I can't. Um, Kevin Young, who I mentioned at the top of the show, set up that okay. interview for me because he had a contact of Forbes. Anyway, side point. Well, there Carry you on. Mm-hmm. So Forbes, whatever mm-hmm. we want to call them, mm-hmm. media giant, released their annual list of the world's highest paid athletes. And the only woman in the top 100. Well, first off, the number one. Can you guess who number one is? I bet you. I mean, you're like, nope. no, not even Blank a little face. bit. Lionel okay. Messi. Lionel Messi, 127 million. Eesh. And the top ones are pretty much soccer players because soccer's big in the universe. Um, but the only woman in the top 100 is Serena. Serena Williams. Yeah. Obviously, at 29.2 million. And then when you break it down to just look at the highest paid female athletes, it's pretty much all tennis players with the exception of Alex Morgan because she's like the attractive right. US soccer player. I bet uh, it's a steep drop off too. Like from what was Serena? 29 million, 39? 29 million. 29. It's like drops off. Yeah. Do you have the list in front of you? Uh, not of the all the women, but yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure it drops off pretty quickly because um, the, anyway, but yeah, but it's all tennis players. Because tennis is the also most notably for women, the top paid woman is like a hundred million short of the top paid man. <laughs> Side. Well, point. that's a. I mean, obviously, you could be like, should people even make that of course. much money? Yeah, that was my first thought. hundred. And my answer is yes. In a capitalist world, wow. they should. I'm way more socialist than you. <laughs> because here's the thing. Because here's the thing, Sarah. You know who's really making the money? Oh, man, we're going to get one of Kelly's fans anyway. Who's really making the money is the owners. The players, sure, everyone's like, oh, NFL players make great money. But really, really, they're making pennies compared to the fucking owners who are, like, creating a fucking, like, plantation system, right? Of, like, bringing players in, like, breaking them for a few million and then kicking them out. So if the players, if the, the, in the capitalist system, right, the owners always make the most, then, like, fuck that shit. We should redistribute wealth to the fucking workers. And in this system, the workers are the players. What about the, pe- what about the people who like make the field, clean the bathrooms at the stadium? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. <laughs> that is also true. But that's like, that's even like more far down. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the, I, like we tend to view the players not as the labor, right. but as the management, right? But in reality, in this structure, they are the labor. And I will always be on the side of the labor. So yeah, they should make more fucking money. Sure, like maybe that's a stupid amount of money. It's a anyway. stupid amount of money. Yes, they should be high up the chain. The chain shouldn't be so freaking densely packed with dollars. But the real point I was going to make here is that all of the top, the best played female mm-hmm. athletes who all make far less than the best paid male athletes are mostly tennis players. And why are they mostly tennis players, Sarah? Because tennis, in tennis, the women's game is basically mm-hmm. as big as the men's game. I mean, arguably not quite, but still, right? And why is the women's game the equivalent of the men's game? Why, Kelly? I was like, you know the answer to this there. (laughs) Because when tennis was starting out and creating a league and like becoming a players association and all that, like there was a very big movement from the women who made a very big effort and sacrificed a lot to establish themselves as equals and to create like a women's tournament and a women's Mm -hmm. players, whatever. And so that created the groundwork for a sport that is now relatively equal. I do. You see what I'm saying here? I do see what you're saying. So it's kind of like, why are the U.S. women so good at soccer? Because of Title IX 30 years ago. 
Why do female tennis players make so much? Because of Billie right. Jean King's 40 years ago. So you got to do all this shit now. Also, what I want to add to is like both of those examples, like Billie Jean King. Also, there was like, if you, if you know the history of like the, like the feminism within tennis, there was a lot of like uh-huh. schisms. Not everyone agreed. There was a lot of infighting, yeah. even amongst the women. Yeah. There was a lot of pushback. The same thing yeah. with like Title IX. There's still massive pushback against Title IX, even though it's effectively created a generation of great athletes in tons of sports in the U.S. and like affected how the U.S. does in the Olympic Games and in sports globally. But still, like the amount of pushback on that and the amount of like logical people who think that their argument is against whatever is better makes me think of the number of people well, who I mean, feel yeah. that um, yeah. having representation based on the proportional number of people who are participating in a sport. <laughs> um, just, just par example, example. Just a random example. Um, to get that kind of pushback and people think, oh, well, that's a logical argument. Well, um, so I, I just think it's always good to remember, especially if you are someone who's like out there on the front lines, like standing up for causes, like to remember that like all of that pushback and all those, that, all that negativity is normal. Um, and that in the bigger picture, it can, you can make a difference. There you go. You people can tell me to stop my town, my crown. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We know what it takes to be reaching the top.